Litcast Slovakia, the podcast about Slovak literature in English. Hello, my name is Julia Sherwood and I'm a translator mostly of Slovak literature. Today I'll be talking to Rajendra Chitnis, Associate Professor in Czech at University College in Oxford. Before that he taught at uh, Bristol University for about 20 years and has published widely on Czech, Russian and Slovak literature. Hi Rajendra, hello from London. Hello Julia, hello from Wales. Right, so you're in Wales, not in Oxford, so I imagine that your teaching schedule has been rather disrupted by the pandemic. So how have you and your students coped with uh, switching to online teaching? Yes, it's a great question. Uh, we are doing our best. I've been teaching this week online and I think everything has gone suspiciously well. We haven't lost internet connections and the classes have happened more or less as they would have done. I think Mainly, I'm incredibly grateful to um, senior colleagues in the Faculty of Modern Languages for the planning that they've put in, which has made things relatively straightforward. And I think a really important aspect of that's been the um, consultation with students, just getting a sense of what they want to happen, you know, the things that they worry about, um, you know, not making them work too hard, not giving them too little work, making sure they feel that they're being taught. Um, so yeah. it'll take a little while for us to get some feedback from the students about how they're experiencing it. It's hmm. quite an adjustment, I guess, for everyone. And how many students do you have at the moment? And uh, are any of them taking Slovak? Right. We have um, uh, 16 students across the four years of the course and all of them have to do Slovak. Uh, so that means that um, students can come in the first year and if uh, they are able to uh, speak Slovak perhaps because of family background um, then they can in fact do all of their work in Slovak um, but otherwise they will um, at the moment they learn to translate from Slovak and they read Slovak literature. So apart from language uh, students who are interested in studying Slovak what can they expect uh, to get in terms of teaching at Oxford? Right. Um, well, at the moment, the emphasis is on Czech. So the degree is called Czech with Slovak. Um, I mean, it'd be nice in the future to to make that a more equal relationship. But uh, what they do at the moment um, is, as I say, that if they already have Slovak, then in fact, they can do all of the uh, language work that involves writing in Czech. They could equally do that in Slovak if they want. And they will receive certainly um, teaching and support in learning to tr read and translate Slovak, a wide range of uh, different types of texts from different periods and different styles, non-fiction, fiction, and so on. And then in the main literature paper, which all students have to do, there is quite a lot of consultation, I think, with students about what it is they would like to do. And so um, I make sure that they have plenty of opportunity to, to know what's available in Slovak, what they might find interesting. Um, I'm a little bit, I, I'm aiming at least to be a little bit more forceful, perhaps, uh, in, in encouraging them to do some Slovak literature 
literature and show them that they can read it and that it's interesting. And we also have an optional paper which offers the students a list of different authors from which they choose three. And I have um, greatly expanded the number of Slovak writers listed there. Um, So students could, in theory, study in quite a lot of detail three important Slovak writers from, again, different periods from the 19th century to the present. That's great to hear. To come back to your own teaching, so how did you actually get interested in Slovak studies? Uh, Was there someone in particular who introduced you to Slovak literature? Uh, yes. Uh, so I lived in the Czech Republic for three years after my I did an undergraduate degree in Russian. And then I lived in the Czech Republic mm-hmm. for three years. And then I came back to study at the School of Slavonic and East European Studies. And my main interest then was to um, combine Russian and Czech. And um, it was my uh, professor there, Robert Pinsent, who said, well, of course, you ought to do Slovak as well if you're doing Russian and Czech. And so he introduced me yeah. to Slovak literature. And I think we were very lucky. This was in the late 1990s and I think um, there was a lot of energy uh, around Slovakia and Slovak literature in that period. It was um, the uh, late Mechiar period so there was a lot of conversation around sort of government and you know um, what the future for Slovakia was and uh, um, the, the sort of you know shifts between sort of a national sort of a nationalist perspective and a more kind of civil democratic perspective so that was an interesting conversation that you could have with political scientists and so on um, I think Slovakia was beginning to become quite successful economically so economists were very interested in Slovakia um, so yeah. There was a lot of there was a very lively time and of course the the really big thing I think was that um, the literature of that period is so exciting and so varied and so there was an awful lot of new things for us to read and to talk about um, so I think from that sort of little idea you know very quickly it grew into something that seemed to me to be very very interesting and very worthwhile even though it may be a stereotype if you can say that this is a writer who is a little bit like Kundera. Or to be able to mention some names that people have actually heard of. Uh, but then uh, Slovak literature is not unique in this. And I think there's several other, that's often referred to as smaller nations, have the same problem. And in fact, uh, while you were at Bristol, you led a project on translating the literatures of small European nations. Uh, can you share some of the more interesting findings of uh, that research? There's a lot of pessimism around these literatures. Funnily enough, I was thinking when you were talking before about how helpful it is to sort of link a, a writer to Kundera and say he's a bit like Kundera or she's a bit like Kundera. Um, the, the biggest problem, I think, for these literatures is Franz Kafka. Um, and I think that, it, you know, everything gets linked back to Franz Kafka. And I think that Franz Kafka, um, or particularly the way that he has been read uh, by world literature scholars, has had a, a, a pretty sort of... Um, uh, poor effect on literatures of smaller nations, particularly, I think, from East Central Europe, because um, there's a feeling that he's he's a gloomy writer, he's sad, he's he's depressed. And so, you know, all of the writers from this region must just be sad and depressed that they don't write in a language that people can speak and people can read. And, uh, um, and so we encounter an awful lot of pessimism from that point of view, and also sort of practical pessimism about the, the difficulty of publishing smaller literatures. But what we encountered were people like you, um, a, a great number of independent publishers who have, who are not pessimistic at all, or if they are pessimistic, 
testing it doesn't stop them from trying and from trying all sorts of things and being very creative and uh, um, creating really quite a lively scene. Um, and I suppose the last thing I'd say is that perhaps the problem is that that scene is very centered in the UK on London and on a kind of educated middle class audience that, you know, pays attention to these kind of things, perhaps that reads this kind of literature. Um, and so I think if I were going to carry on with this work, what I would be interested in is looking, for example, at how we get more translated literature into school, how we encourage kids at secondary schools to be aware of books they're reading that are translated and in the what is the process of translation and to get people like you get translators in to talk about the process of translation and to, you know, if you like open up that, you know, it's almost like a very small part of the map of the of world literature is available to kids at the age 14, 15, 16, unless they're very curious. And so to perhaps open that up a bit more, I think that would be the next step and, you know, move it to a, a wider audience. Yes, that certainly wouldn't do any harm to open people's minds. Uh... Although, similarly, it also wouldn't do any harm to do more uh, foreign language teaching at uh, English schools because that's really gone down recently. But uh, to come back to Slovak literature, so there's uh, been a, quite a bit more translated over the past 30 years or so, but there are still many, many gaps. So uh, of uh, the, the authors and books that you have read, uh, what would you say should really be available to uh, English uh, readers or American readers? I think we often sort of chat about this in different contexts, don't we? And uh, I mean, some names always come up. When I think to Slovak literature in the 19th century and in the early 20th century, well, I, I mean, I think in the 19th century that there's a lot of very good things, but um, quite a lot of them require quite a good knowledge of the context in which writers were writing and you know i mean i think particularly for example um there's a lot of really good satirical writing in the later 19th century which is extremely funny but it becomes funnier once you understand the circumstances in which these the, the people were working in you know the late habsburg empire yeah. um and i wonder how easy that would be to you know translate historically if you like to, to, to readers nowadays in a different place and then i think that when we get into to the period of writers like uh, Timrava and Kukuchin, I think that some works by them have already been translated. And while it might not be a bad thing to have a look and see, you know, I kind of wonder, I mean, those those things are very good. And if you're looking to look at something that's a bit different, that's a bit of a different perspective, rather than a Slovak example of something that people might be able to find from other literatures. And so that really takes me into the kind of interwar period. And I think there are two works that really stand out from, from that period. And one is um, uh, Živi Bitch by Milo Orban. Um, I, I really feel very strongly that if that book had come out in the 1930s in English, I think your whole story about Slovak literature would be very, very different because it would have it resonated so much with international pacifism and with the, you know, the reflection on the First World War and, and what that meant. But the perspective that he gives is one is a different one. It's a very different one, yeah, from a different part of the war um, and, you know, from a very different context. But it's one that's very easy to understand from the from his novel. It's a very accessible book. That was one that occurred to me. And then a very different thing would be Atomi Bohai Gezavamos, which is just a kind of an outlier, really, isn't it? In in any sense, it's not, it, it, you know, it's just a remarkable book. But I, I think it would, those two are the things that would just be, you know, great additions, wouldn't they, to a sort of a, a world literature in English, if you like. 
Um, I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, you know, then thinking after yeah, the war, it becomes more really. interesting, I think. Um, so a writer that Robert Pinsent introduced to me quite early on was Alphonse Bednar. And I, I, I do often feel that a lot of the good things that happened in Slovak literature start there with him. And uh, again, you might say that you need a knowledge because he writes quite a number of his works are really about recent history um, and whether you'd need that historical knowledge. But I'm I'm not sure, actually. It work, They work quite well, um, you know, with people who don't know them. Uh, things like Odinia Minuti and, and so on. Um, so I wonder about Bednar. And then, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, what what has been coming out and, you know, in the last 10 years or so for Slovak literature has been very varied, very interesting, you know, lots of different generations, men, women, different backgrounds, different parts of Slovakia, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's great. The one name I, I feel is missing, and I think probably Donald Rayfield will have talked to you about this as well, um, is Jan Johanides, um, who again for me was a writer when I encountered him, uh, you know, he, you know, he would be a very clear addition to world literature in English, you know, that there's, uh, although you can see what his influences are and the kind of writing he's engaging with, the way he does it is very distinct. And uh, I think, again, had he been translated in the same period as Milan Kundera was being translated, I don't know, I wonder whether we'd even think that highly of Milan Kundera after that. But um, but he's very difficult, he's much more difficult. Well, I think Kundera, Kundera plays to his his audience, doesn't he? And he, he has plenty on the, you know, the, the the kind of political context, even if he says he's not writing about that. And, um, yeah. you know, lots of kind of, you know, pop philosophy. Um, Johannes isn't pop philosophy, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I think it's, there's an, you know, an exceptional intensity to, to Johannes's best work, you know, um, you know, thinking about, you know, the modern human being's situation condition. And I think that people who, who get into that would find it, I mean, I certainly did, and I've seen students as well, you know, who get very, involved in it. I mean, I, it's a strong thing to say, I think. When I read some things by Johannes, the only comparison I could really make was when I was reading Dostoevsky and that, in that, you know, it's that level of, of difficulty and density and, and you know, um, but it's worth it. Okay. And so just finally, uh, what are your favorite writers of books? Now, not necessarily Slovak, uh, just very generally something that you like going back to and maybe something that sustains you in these uh, strange times. <laughs> My problem really is is that there's always something I need to read, so it's quite difficult yeah. to go back to things I've already read. That, that, that sort of, uh, it's a it's a strange thing, really. And I mean, the, the nice thing actually is when you get the chance to you know reread works with you know with students. Um, but I think outside of that, um, I mean, I. Uh, I don't think it will please my either Czechs or Slovaks really. What led me here, what led me to where I am now, was Russian literature uh, as a teenager, and uh, and I I still think that you know when I have the time, those are the things that I'd like to reread if I haven't had the chance to reread them. So I've already mentioned Dostoevsky, and I was I was extremely well taught at Sheffield University by Bill Leatherbarrel and uh, Dostoevsky, and that really stayed with me. Um, but I'm Gorgol. I love that again. There short story writing Gorgol Czech of Bunin in the in the 19th century um and Mikhail Bulgakov, of course, um, I think that was the first, Master Margarita was the first novel I read in Russian. And so that stays with me as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I suspect uh, uh, Russian literature, sorry. <laughs> 
Well, you certainly don't need to apologize to me. I'm, I'm a great fan of uh, Russian literature and, and Russian, and, and I think it's, it's generally acknowledged, so I think that's absolutely fine. <laughs> so, uh, many thanks, uh, Rajendra. Uh, keep well. I will, and you too. And yeah. uh, thank you. And uh, yes, let's wish also say goodbye to our listeners and uh, wish them to stay healthy and take care. Thank you very much, Julia. That was great. Thank you. Bye.